Hello, friends, and however you are listening to this conversation on Grace, whether you're doing it through iTunes or SoundCloud or through the Broadway app, we are really glad that you are here. We're especially glad to be joined by the Mulder and Scully of Broadway United Methodist Church, the man and woman who deal with the strangest things that life throws at us and do so very well. I'm talking, of course, about Wendell Van Valen and Laura Vincent elevating us in the absence of Wayne Hunter. Hello, Laura, and welcome. Thank you. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I just keep seeing aliens every time you can see <laughs> all these clothes. Like, where are the aliens? Uh, hi, I'm Wendell. Uh, glad you're do you believe in. A- do you believe in aliens? You know what? I have really mixed feelings about that. I think it's possible. I have grace for aliens. Put it that way. <laughs> I have grace for aliens. Yeah. Um, we, we do miss Wayne, but it's so good to have Laura. Laura's waters run deep, so I'm going to set you up. You've got to say some really profound things. Oh, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> um, we, we always chat a little bit before we get on air about where we're going to chase this rabbit today. And so this time we'd like to talk about um, our dreams, our personal dreams, and uh, how that looks in the face of uh, opposition, that uh, when you're a little bitty, you want to be a fireman or a nurse or something like that. When you get older, it's not just a thought in your head. It's actually a feeling inside of you that you, you kind of begin to realize what you were made for and what you know why God put you here on this planet. It might not go through the cognitive thought, but you get these feelings, the intuitive feelings. And... Uh, but yet we live in families, and we live in churches, and we live in cultures, and even in educational systems that start to push back against that. You're too um, tall, too short, too skinny, too fat, too male, too female. You're the wrong color. You're the, you know, whatever. And it starts pushing back against that dream. And the sad part is that Although the voices aren't as loud, the pushback voices aren't as loud, they're just as profound and just as strong at 20, 30, 40, 50 years of age. That at 62, I still have some of those voices in my world that are pushing against what I feel is my dream. And the older I get, the, the deeper the conviction is that these dreams are God-given. I mean, if we're, what is that cartoon, Pinky in the Brain? I'm going to conquer the world. <laughs> was that the cartoon? That's the cartoon. It's okay. a fantastic cartoon. Okay, yeah, it was good. But I think very few of us have a dream of conquering the world. But I think most of us have a dream of doing something good, that we want to make a positive contribution. And yet there are voices and forces and even systems in play that say, no, you cannot. You can't pursue that dream. So how do we graciously follow through with what we deeply feel God put us here for? How do we follow through with that graciously? Do we just bulldoze through people? Do we pat them on the head and say, well, appreciate your opinion, but I'm going to go my way. So how do we deal with that? So we're going to talk about that today. I think it's important to note that even people are people with good intentions, people who love you mm. and people who want what's best for you can totally um, 
like you said, like derail your, your calling. I'm not, mm-hmm. you didn't say that exactly. I don't mm-hmm. know the words in your mouth, mm-hmm. but, and, um, I think it's also important to note that, um, because we live in this country, there's this, you know, this pervading American dream that, uh, my kids will be better off than I were. Like that's mm-hmm. the measure of success. And so there is an element of better uh, off as in financially. Yeah. And, more more comfortable yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so there's um there's pressure I, mean, I think it's with often with good intentions it's still pressure but there's uh pressure to be better off uh like more financially well off or more comfortable or whatever and there's a sense of uh i've made these sacrifices i've sacrificed so you mm. don't have mm. to Whereas there's the call of Jesus, which is which is downward, right? The, the American mm-hmm. dream is like you climb the ladder. Mm-hmm. The call of Jesus is you go down the ladder. And where the intersection is, I think, is where there's a lot of discomfort. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, typically parents are trying to pull their kids up. And kids are, uh, or, or people we love are trying to go up. And if we're trying to go down the way that Jesus did, there's like, hey, you're, you're going the wrong way. You know, there's this <laughs> sense of you're doing, you're doing this all wrong and, and you need to... Um, come back you know follow me so I mean that that was my experience with my parents honestly my parents are amazing and they had always encouraged me to pursue my dreams um but at the same time they wanted safety security certainty you know what they knew for me um everyone in my family is a teacher and so uh and a coach and so that was like my path Mm -hmm. um because that's what we knew. That's what we did in my family. Um, but as I was in college, um, my sense of call to ministry really came full force back to me. It was a call that I had sensed from the time I was very, very young. Um, but by the time I was a junior, you know, finishing up my education degree, I knew I wasn't going to go down that path. <laughs> and so um, the hard, one of the hardest parts was talking that through with my parents who have just sent me to college to pursue this dream and for me to that they had for me and for me to turn to them and say, yeah, I'm going to graduate with this degree, but I'm going to go this different way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so of course they're like, what about retirement? What about this, that, and the other, you know? Um, And it took years really for them uh, to kind of watch me. I think eventually as they saw me take steps and got to see me doing what I loved and felt called to that they became excited about that too. But I think sometimes, you know, when they don't have a picture of, what that can look like that um, there's a lot of fear yeah that's good what were you going to teach I was going to teach history high school history social studies all those fun things you know what she'd have made a good history teacher of course she would (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, so what do we do what do we do when we find ourselves in a system what do we do when we find ourselves in a system that we say I want to in my case, I was a pastor in Middle Tennessee of a rural church. I wanted to hang out with the drug dealers and literally rode horses with a guy who made moonshine. He's now making it legally, <laughs> but back in the day it wasn't. Um, I wanted to hang out with these people, and the system I, I was in said, no, we don't want you doing that. And... uh even in my own, uh, my father was a pastor, and he was a pastor of, of, he approached it one way, and my approach was diametrically opposed. Well, not, not diametrically, but it was quite different. 
And so it was seen as wrong, you know. And he kept wanting me to tweak my dream to fit. And it's like, no. I. And, and I never figured out, well, the church I was in, they kicked me out. So they kind of fixed that one for me. But I, I never have figured out. So people, okay, so Jason, you're talking about people who really love you. or They're invested in you. And you're trying to return that love and grace, but you're also following your passion, your dream. I see you're sitting there shaking your head. I'm thinking, <laughs> say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, it's not that easy, is it? Well, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I think people get scared about what they don't know or what they don't understand, and so. I think it's honestly, as you say that, I think it's pretty radical for anybody, much less a pastor, to say, "I want to hang out with drug dealers." Maybe it's a little different for people who make moonshine. I don't. I don't maybe people yeah. want to hang out with them. I don't know. But um, <laughs> he was a, he was a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I think people frequently react out of out of fear, and uh, per- particularly when somebody you love is or. S- I mean, in your case, I don't. I don't know that. Maybe the church folks love love you. I don't. I, no, as quick as they kicked me out, I don't know that they did too much. Okay. I, don't <laughs> I think I was. I was making them look bad. Okay. Um. But I, I think people cling to what they know, and they uh, reject what they don't know. So in Laura's case, we know teaching. We know coaching. We know there's a path here. We know what this looks like. So um, I don't want to speak to Laura's experience. My own experience was very similar um, in that it was like, we don't, we don't understand why you are doing this, um, particularly when you're essentially leaving money on the table. Like you're, you're choosing to do something um, that, will, that will garner you less resources mm-hmm. and less comfort and less... Um, ability to do well in life um, which was which was frightening for them uh, for my for, for my folks anyway um, and I think it's I, I think it's difficult to um, I think you become afraid automatically at what you don't know mm-hmm. um, for example my son um, Stockton is uh, going to a camp later this summer it's like a soccer camp thing and um, I don't know much about it. And so the other day I had a little mini panic attack. I'm like, well, wait, where is this? Who's supervising him? Who's making sure that he's drinking water? You know, and it, it, and it, it took me a minute to get out of that fear cycle. Hmm. Um, not, be, not because I didn't want him to go, but just because I didn't. I've not been to soccer camp ever, and I don't know what to um, expect. So, I don't know, maybe I'm being naive or Pollyanna and saying people... Uh, don't want you to do that because they love you and they're afraid for you. I don't know. But, okay, so in your, in your case, Laura, your parents came around. Was that t- just time? Or did you find yourself having to e- extend kind of a special kind of grace to explain and unpack? And I mean, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, a good I mean question. I, I think there was a lot of, of conversation um, yeah. that happened. And I mean, like, 
all the way through it, like their love for me and support sure, of me sure, was sure. so evident. But I think, you know, I had to be patient. Like I wasn't going to talk them into understanding why I was making this decision, but I could give them, you know, I could live it out and give them a picture of what, why this is what, what I'm pursuing and allow them to get a glimpse of, you know, yeah. yes, this yeah. is what you were made for and be able to affirm that on their own rather than me having to demand that right, right in that moment. Right. Well, don't y'all think it's a little different? Because we're, we're talking kind of apples and oranges here. In some ways, we're talking about we have people who love us and adore us, and they don't quite get what we're doing, but we know in the long run they'll probably, because they love us, get it. And then we have other people who just say, I just checked the rule book. You're not allowed to right. do that. Right. Or um, we have a longstanding tra- tradition here. We don't right. take your kind, or we don't. Right. I've that, been a part of systems like that. Okay, so you know, how, what does grace look like there? I mean, that's something I, I struggle with um, at times. I think for a long time, the, the certain tradition I grew up in, um, the denomination I grew up in, you know, like I said, I sensed a call to ministry very early on. And um, in particular, I felt called to pastor and to preach. Um, but it was very clear that that was not something I was allowed to do in that tradition. So I, I love that tradition. And so I kind of reshaped my dreams in light of what was mm. possible. Um, for a long time, I thought I would be a missionary because that was one picture I had of what a woman could do for, for Jesus. The gave you. I, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so for the longest time though, I thought, I thought if I stay in this long enough and I just keep being who I am and doing what I do faithfully and obediently, you know, like maybe I could change their mind. But there was a moment for me when it, when I kind of knew like, you know what, I can make my life about trying to change their mind or I can make my life about pursuing what I feel called to. And for me, that meant having to make a break with that system in order to do that. But that was very difficult. And I still, you know, have hope that maybe young girls in that traditional have the opportunities I did not have. But I think there reaches a point if you're having to compromise who you are and you are reducing who you are and you are, um, minimizing your dreams in light of that system that you have to, you have to take a moment and have to, have to, you know, really seek to discern what is the most graceful thing to do here. It's the most graceful thing to stay and to be a part of maybe making change or is the most graceful thing to do to exit and, uh, and to pursue your dream some other kind of way. I think both ways are grace. <laughs> wow. That, I'm having a moment of clarity here because that that's literally what I had to do. I never realized that's what I had to do. You just taught me something here because I was trying to follow my dream in a system that simply would not allow me to do that. And then when I came here, this is a system in which I can pursue my dreams. Never did that math. Thank you. <laughs> Laura, you mentioned that in terms of systems. Do you think that applies to people and relationships as well? I do. And that's that's hard for me, too. I'm like a a long-suffering person. Like, I want to give everything the longest shot that I possibly can. But I'm realizing more and more that, you know that there are some people who aren't aren't your people like we're not called we're called to love everyone but we're not necessarily going to be super close and you know 
working alongside every person. And so I think there's, there are times where, you know, you can recognize that this is an invitation, you know, the, the fact that you are not feeling acceptance and love (laughs) coming back at you doesn't mean that you have to stay in to take that, but that you can very gracefully say, you know what, this just isn't the space for me. And this isn't a healthy relationship for me. Almost like the shake the dust off your feet. Mm -hmm. Right. I always thought that was kind of a, well, there I'll show you, but it's, there has to be some line when you say, you know, okay, you know, I've, I've, sucked your dust long enough i'm, I'm gonna shake it off my feet and it is hard not eat your dust anymore i'm gonna go somewhere right. where the air is clean i don't know it that's a oh man that's a tough call with systems i don't think so hard but with people yeah it's pretty pretty hard thanks for being a part of this episode of on grace That was me, Jason Brown, with Wendell Van Valen and Laura Vincent. You can find more from Laura at her website, makingroomatthetable.com.